0: Into the word for this morning. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, thank you, praise you, we appreciate you, God. God, I'm praying mm-hmm. that you would think through my mind, that you would speak. Speak through my mouth, God, that you would illuminate the words that uh, that I say, God, that they would light on the hearts of the hearer and the ears of the listener and let no one's coming be in vain. God, I thank you that revelation knowledge will flow freely, unhindered, unchecked, and uninterrupted by any satanic or demonic forces, and we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, let everybody shout. Amen. 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 Come on with your Bibles in your hand or your phones or your tablets or whatever, and repeat after me, this is my Bible. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple, where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. consistently. We commit to serve creatively. We We communicate Christ's love compassionately. compassionately. Lord, Lord, give me this word. word. I decided to change it from now on. I'm not going to say, Pastor Andre, feed me or Pastor Andre, teach me. I'm going to say, Lord, give me this word. Because at the end of the day, if the Lord don't give it, it won't be done. All right, let's let's start right with the title for today. The title is simply this: "Dying or Rising." Dying or Rising. I'm going to give you a heads up that the title is going to change uh, about halfway through the sermon. The title is going to shift a little. It's going to be very close, but it's going to be shift and then. You'll understand as we go through it. So right now, dying or rising. Somebody say that. when we say dying, dying. Or, rising. or rising? All right, let's put up two definitions of both of those words. The first definition of dying, and each one of these definitions will have two points with them. So the first one is on the point of death or at the point of death. The second one is gradually ceasing to exist or function. In decline and about to despair. I'm going to read both of those again. On the point of death. And number two, gradually seeking to ceasing to exist or function in decline and about to despair. I'll give you a hint. We really don't want that number two definition. We would rather have number one definition of that. Let's move on to rising. Now, both of these are things that we can use. Going up, increasing, or sloping upward advancing to maturity or high standing. We'll do it again. Going up, increasing or sloping upward to advancing to maturity or high standing. Both of these definitions are things that we would like to see in our life. All right, let's start with Mark 1621.
1: And Began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. At a certain
0: time in Jesus' ministry with his disciples, he began to publicly say that he was going to have to die. He began to make it quite clear. It's always interesting that when it happened, that how shocked they were because he had already told them. Let's look at uh, 1622.
1: Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. I love Peter, but Peter had some
0: nerve. And Peter basically pulled Jesus to the side and was like, this is not good for your brand for you to be talking about you're going to die. Don't, don't 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 say that. Don't don't talk like that. I I will take a quick rabbit trail. There's times where you have elderly people in your life and they begin to start talking about death and the people around them don't want to hear it. Yeah. But many times they see things you don't see. My my uncle tells me the story how that when my grandmother exited that on that night before, she told him, hey, I saw my casket. And he was like, stop talking like that, mama. Don't talk like that. But she actually saw it because within hours, she had transitioned. So in this case, Jesus was telling them what was going to happen, but they didn't want to hear it. And Peter pulls them aside like, no, stop talking like that.
1: Let's look at verse 23. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns.
0: This gives us a quick understanding that human concerns can trump the concerns of God in our life. So even though we are human, we have to be careful from viewing things only from human eyes and human perspective. What's interesting in this, you know, of course, when, when we pick it up in verse 21, I'm dropping way down in the chapter. But what is very interesting about this particular story, uh, just some verses up. Uh, Peter says that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus asked the question, who do men say that I am? Then he asked the pointed question to the disciples, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but it was revealed by the spirit. But later on, he had to say, rebuke you, Satan. Let me remind us that we can fluctuate and we can function on both sides of that coin. We can function where the spirit is leading us, but we can also function where the flesh is leading us. And depending on how we view a thing, we could be walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. We could be dying or rising. But let's take it just a little deeper because this is where I want to park the sermon at and really begin to dig in. I want to put this phrase up and I'll I'll, I'll, I'll explain it to where you're caught up with me. I'm going to give you a story that'll help you. The phrase is this, I don't like your cross. Basically what Peter was saying is I don't like what you're talking about Jesus. I don't like the suffering that you're mentioning. I I don't like your cross. I I, I don't like what you're talking about. Now um, for us who raise teenagers, many times we try to tell them about peer pressure. And tell them about the cross and how you shouldn't always go with the crowd. And guess what they do? If they're scared to do it openly, they do it inwardly. They roll their eyes. I don't want to hear that. Because all teenagers want to be like everybody else. But that same teenager ten years down the road, many times they wish they would have listened to mama. And listen to daddy. There there are adults sitting in prison cells that wish they would have listened to that instruction. But because it came in a way that didn't look like what they wanted, they rejected it. And here's Peter talking to Jesus saying, no, don't talk about that kind of stuff. That's not what we want. Now, this is something that we have to remember when it comes to. The Israelites, specifically the disciples, they were looking for Jesus to set up an earthly kingdom, which he will do because that's what's prophesied, but they were looking for him to set up an earthly kingdom right then and there. They were under Roman rule, and so they expected when he came and said he was the Messiah, they expected him to throw over the Roman government and them to set up the kingdom and everything to be peachy cream, but that's not what he did. He comes talking about sacrifice. He comes talking about dying. He says, yes, I'm the king of kings, but I'm here to give my life. That did not sit too well with them. Let's paint the picture even closer. If if this happened in the time of the Ukraine, and Russia is bombing Ukraine and trying to be offensive against them, and Jesus shows up as a baby in Ukraine and then grows up, and here he is, and he says he is the Savior. He says he is the Messiah. They would be thinking, oh, go ahead and knock Russia out of the way and set up your kingdom here. That's the same type of thing that was going on, but Jesus did the exact opposite what he, they thought he would do. So it was quite confusing. Let me say this to you, saints and friends. I know you love the Lord, but sometimes Jesus comes in your life and does the exact opposite of what you want him to do. Now, now, now let me go back to my wife. I talked about her being a superwoman and a rock star of a woman, but there was a time where this superstar, rock star of a woman was getting on my nerves. Getting on my last nerves. One day she told me, she said, you drive me crazy. I said, it's a short drive. You ain't got that far to go to get to crazy. You know, we, we was going back and forth. And so I began to talk to God about this woman. God, I'm tired of her. And God said, you the problem. Hold, hold on. It, it, it was kind of like Verizon. Can you hear me now? Can we, God, you, you saying something. That I don't like. This ain't what I thought you was going to say. And he began to point to me and all the ways that I was wrong. And he said, I will never work on her till I first deal with the head call you. That's not what I wanted to hear. But it did help my marriage. Sometimes what God shows you is just not what you want. I don't like this cross. I don't like this trial. I don't like this issue. I don't like patience. Yes, I pray for patience but when I'm put in something that makes me be patient I don't like it. That's the truth of life. Let let, let me go even further to give you a story that will help you understand how I got to this place and then we're going to continue to preach and kind of hopefully I can get you to where I need you to go. So let's, let's put this up. So I don't like your cross. This statement comes from a story and, and I'm going to have them put the, the story or the teller of the story was Father Michael Renegar, pastor of St. Mary Catholic Church. In Richmond, Virginia. Whenever I, I get something that stirs me up and gives me an idea, I like to give you where it came from so you don't think all this stuff just pops in my head. I research and because it's the kingdom of God, I, I, I draw from many sources. So it was a story that Pastor or, or Father Michael Reniger, he, he's a pastor as well, but, but from the Catholic persuasion, he tells a story of a visitor coming to his church and coming to view his church. Now, Catholic churches, many times they are so ornate and beautiful in the way that they are laid out. Many of the orthodox churches are laid out that way. Our church is not like that. We're more of a modern church, but many Catholic churches, you have stained glass windows. You have a whole lot of things. In other words, they communicate the gospel by the furniture, by the way the place looks. So many people come and visit those churches, not so much to come to church, but to see the beauty. So one person comes to visit his church to see the beauty. They were not having church at the time. He was just looking around. And so the pastor or Father Michael was taking him around, showing him the beauty of the sanctuary. And Father Michael says the visitor said something that he didn't expect him to say. He said this. He said, I don't like your cross. That was something that he wasn't expecting them to say. He said that the cross was the focal point of that uh, church, much like our church where when you look forward, the cross is there. When when we decided to put our screen up, the most conventional place to put the screen up is right behind me. But I said, no, I want you to move it as far to the right as you can if you're looking from that area or as far as the left as you can because I don't want it to cover the cross, because even though I may dress nice, I don't want you looking at me. The whole goal is for you to see the cross of Jesus Christ. Very similar in this church, the cross was the focal point. But this cross was made in, in a very ornate way. It had a wooden cross and it was hanging by these wires that dropped the wooden cross. So it looked like it was suspended in air from far away. And there was a, a bronze sculpture of Jesus that hung right above the cross or right uh, next to it. But it was about a space this far in between. So it wasn't flush. The body of the sculpture of Jesus wasn't laying flat against the cross. It was a little space in between. And as long as you looked at it from the straight-on perspective, it looked like Christ was on the cross. But this visitor, as he came to another angle, he said, I don't like your cross because I can't tell if he's dying or if he's rising because his body is not on the cross. So, Father, the reason why I don't like your cross, because I want to know what is it. Is he dying or is he rising? And Father Michael makes the simple statement and said, maybe it's both. It just depends on how you view it. So having said that, we're gonna do a just a little change in the sermon title. Would you would you put this up? It's not dying or rising, it's both dying and rising. So, what I want to submit to you, it's not about dying or rising, it's simultaneously dying and And rising, or let me say it more clear, it's not dying or rising, it's not one or the other, it's both. Alright, so having said that, let's continue to
1: read. Let's go to Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Then Jesus turns
0: from rebuking Peter and makes sure all the disciples here, he said, it's not just about me dying, but anybody who wants to follow me, they've got to take up their cross, they got to deny themselves, and they have to die too. In case you did not know it, and this is the first time you've ever been in church. Church and Christianity requires you to die just like the Savior that you worship. But it's not dying or rising, it's both dying and rising. It'll make some sense as we keep going. Let's look at verse 25.
1: For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. So it's not about ultimate loss. It's about momentary loss.
0: If you are willing to momentarily lose your life, you will find it again in a better way. But if you hold on to what you have and you won't die to some of your nasty, funky ways... You're going to lose something. There's a lot of people that say, I'm saved, but they haven't died to anything. See, going to church does not make you a Christian. Just like stepping in your car don't make you, I mean, stepping in your garage don't make you a car. I can walk in my garage every day. That's not going to turn me into a car. And you can walk into a church every day, and that's not going to turn you into a Christian. If you're going to be a Christian, which means Christian, the T-I-A-N is the suffix that means pertaining to. So Christian means pertaining to Christ, and you can't be pertaining to Christ if you're afraid to die from your old nasty, stinking, ugly self. Now, of course, we beautify it, we make it clean, we put makeup on, we smile, we have all the Christian cliches but at the end of the day only you know if you're dying or not because dying requires discipline and in order to be a disciple disciple really is the word disciplined one a disciple is a disciplined one and you're not going to get through this life without having to go through some challenges that discipline you you cannot do what you want to do this is the kingdom of God it's not Burger King have it your way. You can do that at Burger King. You can't do that in God. God. It, you, it's, as much as my wife is a rock star, superstar woman, she can't have me and ten other boyfriends. Uh-huh. That ain't the way it works. Yeah. Now, she can do it, but she can't do it and expect to have the blessing of God on her life, and she can't do it and call herself a first lady and a Christian. There's some stuff you've got to turn away from. Now, I ain't the worst-looking person looking person in the world, so so she ain't going to do too bad turning to me. I'm telling you right now, she's going to do okay. But guess what? I'm not the only cute person she sees. I'm not the only person that thinks she look good. I'm not the only person that hit on her. My My daughter sometimes tells on her to me. She said, Mama was at the gas station, and this man kept saying stuff to her. I'm like, yeah, tell it all, tell it all. But guess what? We're all human and we all get tempted. But if we're going to live this Christian life, there's some stuff we got to say no to. There's some stuff we got to turn down. Now y'all amen me because me and her are married. But let me talk to y'all single folk. There's some stuff you got to say no to. You can't do everything you want to do and live the life that you want to live in God. You've got to die to some stuff. I don't mind cussing folk out if they get on my nerves. Well, you need to stop that. And at least stop wearing deliverance Temple on your shirt while you're going around cussing folk out. At least be like, my pastor don't agree with this. This is just me. Stop acting like everything's okay. We got to die to some stuff. And I know because we preach grace and mercy and love, sometimes we forget the simple statement that says, if you want to follow Christ, there's some things you got to deny. Now I talk about addiction and how that uh, addiction is something that we believe God delivers us from. And I've, I've walked in addiction in my own self, but sometimes the reason why I got tied up in addiction, cause I wouldn't say no. See, addiction doesn't always start addictive. Many times it starts while you still have a choice. But once you get addicted, you no longer have a choice. When I was in college and I was drinking, I said, I'm not going to drink today. And I ended up drinking that day because the liquor had a hold on me and I couldn't say no. But there was a time where I could say no. But because I wouldn't deny myself, next thing I know, I was bound. I was tied. And let me tell you something, if you ever get free when you're bound and when you're tied, the best thing you can do is run far away from the thing that tempted you. I tell this story all the time and some people are new, so let me tell this again. When I was in about the eighth grade, I was at, well, uh, Con, uh, what was it, not Conner Prairie, but uh, what's that camp that we used to go to? Yeah, Camp Crosley, that's it, Camp Crosby. They was taken to Camp Crosley every year. And so here I am at Camp Crosley and we were out there on the lake and I was walking on the little boardwalk thing and I seen all my friends go down and just stick their hands back up. So I thought they was touching the ground. I can't swim. But I won't get in the water because everybody else is in the water. And they was only going down for a few seconds and coming back up. So me with my smart self, I just stepped right on off too. But I didn't know it was eight feet there. And I can't swim in three feet. I don't know what I thought I was going to do. So guess what happened? I began to sink. And it was scary. It was, it, it was that, that murky, dirty water. And I was going down. I began to fight, fight, fight. And while I was doing all this, somebody grabbed my hand. And they pulled me up onto the dock. And they, they was like, you okay? You can just put your feet in and you, you'll be okay? You don't have to go all the way down. I said, no. I went back to the room. Said, forget this. I'm getting as far away as the thing that almost pulled me under. I'm not playing with it. I used to get out on the paddle boats and on the canoes. The rest of the time I was at the camp, I stayed away from the lake because it almost took me out. I don't understand some of y'all that keep going back to the same thing that almost took you out. You've got to deny yourself sometime. All right, let's continue to read. Let's look at verse... Somebody say,
1: it's tight, tight, but but it's right.
0: Matthew 16, 26.
1: What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? I love how Jesus was. He was so clear. He said,
0: "What what is worth it in this world that's worth more than your soul? In other words, if you could do it and it wouldn't affect your soul, maybe it's okay. But a lot of things we do, it affects the deepest part of who we are. That's why we have to be very careful. So let's, let's go back to something we talked about last week. Let's put this up in the Hebrew. Soul equals, in Hebrew, equals the word nefesh. So the word nefesh is the Hebrew word for soul. And we, we did this last week. I'm going to give you the exact same thing that I had up last week from the working preacher's commentary. Let's put this up. In the Bible, nephesh is translated into English as living being, life creature, mind, desires, heart, appetite, persons. What does that tell us? We get the sense that nephesh is the inner living being of a man and it speaks of the very essence of a person. So in other words, Jesus was saying, what is worth trading everything in for the deepest part of who you are. Is it really that worth it? Is the high that good that you'll trade it in for the deepest part of you? Is the relationship that good that you'll trade it in for the deepest part of you? Let's get out of what we call sin. Is the career that important to you that you'll trade it in? I can't talk to God, can't come to church because I got to work on my career. But is it worth the deepest part of who you are? Because here's the thing, there's a lot of people that have a lot of stuff, but they're empty on the inside. See, nothing on the outside can fill you like God. So don't trade the outside for the most important thing on the inside. Let, let me explain to you this way. you, my My, my cousin just bought A brand-new Rolls-Royce. Beautiful, beautiful uh, royal blue, probably like the color of my tie. And the the inside seats are white. It's beautiful. It has, the the overhead has starlight. It's starlights. If you know anything about Rolls-Royce, they have starlights. As beautiful as that is, if I would go to Arizona and remove the engine from his Rolls-Royce, the only thing he could do is look at it. It would be beautiful, but it would do him no good because the inner thing that makes it work would be gone and empty. I don't care what you put on the outside. I don't care what car you drive. I don't care what home you live in. If you don't have the right thing on the inside, it means nothing. And in this day and age, many of us young people, we live for social media clout. We live for the likes on there. There are people who get engaged. to folk they know are no good, just so all the other girls can say congratulations, congratulations. But who gonna congratulate you when he's hitting you upside your head? We don't want to live for the outside. We've got to live for the inside. All right, let's let's go. Let's go a little deeper. Let's go now to the Greek. Because last week we were in the Old Testament, the New Testament is is uh, from Greek, from the Septuagint, which is Greek translation. So the soul in Greek is the word suke. That may sound familiar, especially if you look at how it's spelled. Put it back up really quick. Suke. So let's let's go to the next point. It is the word where we get the word psyche. Is from Suke, and where we get the word psychology. So the vital breath, the breath of life, the mind, the seat of affections and will, the whole self as an individual or your persona. Have you ever heard somebody say to me, to you, that's just my personality? See, your personality is not. It's not something you're born with, it's something you're shaped into. And depending on what you do and what you allow in you, it shapes who you are. And many people, when they go through certain things, it adversely shapes who they are because it messes with their soul or their suke or their psyche. And that's why they many times need psychology and a psychiatrist because their mind is messed up because of all the stuff they let in their soul. Yeah. Just yesterday, I was with the uh, Black Chamber of Com- Commerce, which my wife is a part of, and they, uh, they, they allowed us to see a movie for free called Doctor Strange. Marvel movie. Uh my, my kids are Marvel's buff. I'm not as much a Marvel buff, but I'm learning to like it. I like Star Wars more, but Marvel is very good. But one of the people told me, he said, uh you, you might want to pray. And I, I kind of didn't understand what he was saying, because sometimes people think i since I'm a pastor, I always want to be praying. I'm like, I'm just here to watch a movie. I ain't trying to pray, I just want to watch a movie. But no, but he said, No, 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 it's it's a little bit demonic in the way it's put together. So you might want to pray afterwards. He's basically talking about my, my kids or my son who was with me. And as I watched it, I see that it it, 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 it was a very good movie, but it's just steeped in witchcraft and a lot of demonic things. And sometimes it has a good point, but when you have weak-minded people, the stuff that's on the screen gets down in people's yeah. psyche. And what we've got to understand as Christians, when we move out in the world, there's a whole bunch of junk in the world that tries to attach itself to us. So when God says deny a thing, you've got to deny a thing because you don't know what's attached to it. I I don't know if this is true. This is just made up. But let's just imagine, Larry. Let's think of something that just tragically happened just recently. Just imagine That you woke up in Buffalo and was getting ready to go to the store, the grocery store. And something inside of you said, don't go to the grocery store today. You don't need to go to the grocery store today. Don't do it today. And you overrode it and went to the grocery store. Anyhow, you would have died that day because there was a shooter filled with hatred shooting people at the grocery store. So we can't afford to de- not deny when God tells us deny because we don't know what's attached on the other side. Yes, yeah. yeah, she looks good, but will she mess with your psyche? Uh-huh. Ooh, yeah, he look good, but will he mess with your psyche? If you get in a relationship with him and get out of a relationship with him, will you still have your mind? And we've all met people that got in relationships and they were not the same. And God has to rebuild. So what, what we're saying is let's get into a place of dying the way we're supposed to, but I'm still going to pick up the whole dying and rising. I'm getting there. Let's, let's move on. Let's look at Matthew 16,
1: 26. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? So we just read that. I'm putting that back up with the
0: understanding of the nefesh and the suke, with understanding the major portion of who you are. Or let me say it this way, the core of your being. What is worth trading in the core of your being for? And let me tell you, nothing. All right, let's go back to these definitions. And this is going to help us as we move on. Let's... Put these definitions again, the ones that we used earlier, dying on the point of death or at the point of death. This is the dying that we want, that at the point that God tells us to deny ourselves, we die right then. Here's the thing. If we don't do that, there is another dying, but it's what Satan wants. It is a gradually ceasing to exist or function in decline and about to disappear. That's what the devil wants you to do. That's what he wants to happen in your life. He wants you to slowly and gradually slip away. Going back to the Rolls Royce example, I said if I was to snatch the thing out in the middle of the night, it wouldn't do him any good. But the devil is so evil, what he would like to do is take one part at a time. That way you don't know you're dying when you're dying. He wants to strip you one Netflix and chill at a time. Yeah. He wants to strip you with one relationship at a time. One, one, one hit of the crack pipe at a time. He he wants to strip you little by little until so you wake up like Samson did and you have no anointing, no power, and you don't know how you lost it, you don't know when you lost it, and you don't know where you lost it to. Yeah. Story that reminds me of this is one time going to the grocery store, uh, thinking of grocery stores for my wife and I had a Jeep back in the day and I had my music up. I had my sunroof open. I had my, my, my windows down. I was laying in the back, digging in the scene with the gangster lean. I mean, I was <laughs> rolling. Now I wasn't a preacher pastor at the time. I was just enjoying myself. And so all the stuff was going on. And so I go into the grocery store to pick up what I need to pick up. And then I came back out and the car wouldn't start. To make a long story short, I found out that there was a dead cell in my battery. So all the time that I was digging in the scene with the gangster lean, I was losing power the whole time. But I didn't know it because everything looked good and everything felt good and everything sounded good. But when I needed it, it wouldn't do what I needed it to do. Because gradually, I was tired. So what I'm trying to submit to you is die on your own for Jesus so Satan can't kill you along the way. But not just dying, but dying to rise. So let's let's look at rising. Rising, let's put that back up again. Going up, increasing, or sloping upward. If I die when God wants me to die, it positions me to go up, it positions me to increase up, and to be sloping upward. Uh Put it back up for number two. Also, this is the key thing. It causes us to be advancing to maturity or high standing. The more mature you are, the more you have died along the way at the times you needed to die. Not just because we're Christians. Don't mean like when we're on our jobs and we're dealing with stuff, or even on Facebook. Have you ever on Facebook or in your email typed a whole thing and then the the Lord tell you to erase it? I mean, I didn't really lay somebody out per my last email. I typed it hard, and God said, "No, take it all, take it all off." (laughs) That ain't that ain't what I want you to be. But but I want them, let them know how I feel. But when you die, when you're supposed to die, it produces a rising that you can't explain. See, don't judge me from being on top because I died when you couldn't see it. Behind the scenes, I had to die. And now that I'm rising, don't be hating on me now. I died when I needed to die and I'm rising now that I got a chance to rise. All right, so let's. Let's put these points up. Now, I promise you, I'm coming to a close. Uh, I waited all the way to the end to put these points up, but we're going to go through these points quite quickly. Point A, when the core of who you are is compromised, you die gradually without rising. When the core of who you are, when your soul is compromised, you die gradually without rising. Let's put up point B. When the core of who you are is sacrifice for the purposes of God, you die momentarily, but only to rise up greater and more mature. When you compromise the deep part of you, it'll cost you. But when you sacrifice momentarily, now your momentarily may be a little long. Some of y'all who's single says, shoot, I've I've been sacrificing a long time. But it's not worth having the wrong person. Ask anybody who's had the wrong person, they'll tell you sometimes you're better off single. There are folk laying in the same bed wishing they were single. So listen, sometimes the momentary may be long, but I promise you, when you sacrifice for God, it produces results that you cannot explain. All right, let's let's read that again for emphasis. Let's put B back up. When the core of who you are is sacrificed for the purposes of God, you die momentarily, but only to rise up greater and more mature. See, when you live for God, you are both dying and rising simultaneously. So like the person said, um, uh, "Are is he dying or is he rising? Both. I am a dead man walking, but I'm also rising to the place that God wants me to be. And the reason why I'm rising to the place God wants me to be because I'm dying to the stuff that God doesn't want me to have. And yes, it's a struggle, and yes, it hurts, but I'm reminded that when I arrive where God wants me to arrive, my mind is blown at how God does some stuff. Now, I know this is going online. I know this is live, but don't y'all tell nobody. This is just between me, you, and y'all online. Don't y'all tell nobody else this. I told y'all how Ivy Tech wanted me to step in for my father. Not only did Ivy Tech want me to step in for my father, but I'm on the board of trustees for the the local Muncie and Henry Delaware and Henry County, which is basically Muncie and Newcastle. I'm one of the board of trustees. I help, I help make decisions for Ivy Tech. Not only that, in the fall, I will be teaching a uh, course for theology. I'll be teaching a theological course. I'm one of the teachers. I'm going to be teaching the course. So here I am on the board of trustees for a college and I'm also teaching for another college. Here's a secret. When God called me out of school so that I could come into the ministry, I didn't finish my degree and my wife has graduated and I still don't have a degree. But God has placed me on top of stuff because when, when you die, when you're supposed to die, you'll rise in ways that don't make sense. I preached on Ball State campus. I preached at Purdue University. I'm standing in place. I preached at Taylor University. And here's the thing. How did I get here? I can't explain it, but I died when I was supposed to die. And God made me rise in ways that I cannot explain. And I'm here to tell some of y'all what's getting ready to happen in your life. You won't be able to explain except for the fact I died when I was supposed to die. Now I'm rising. Now we often talk about doors opening and since I'm talking about, I've been talking about grocery stores. What I like about grocery stores, those doors are not like regular doors. Regular doors, you have to put some effort to open them. You need a key or you need to turn something. But grocery store doors, the moment you get in proximity, stuff just starts opening up. When you die the way you're supposed to die, you're going to step into stuff and stuff just going to start opening up. I thank God you're opening doors for me. I don't got to work for it. I don't got to cry for it. I don't got to fuss for it. God, you're opening up because I died when I was supposed to die. Sister Ruther, in order to have your business, you had to die. Amen. When, 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 when Borg Warner just basically booted y'all out and did y'all wrong, you had to die. But look at where you are now because God will still make you rise. I don't care what is pushing you down. I don't care what's trying to stop you. If you die when you're supposed to die, you're going to rise. And this is what the scripture says. It says it this way. This is not in the notes. And let me just throw it into you for free. The scripture says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body. It dwells in your jacked up soul. And God will raise you up. Lord lift me up where we belong. All right, let's go to our last point. Point D. Here's the other side. When you live only for self, you are gradually dying inside and your ability to rise slips further away each day. Some people will be like, why are you bothering me? I've only been gone for church for six months. You don't know how much those six months cost you. Because every day the devil will strip you from, of something. Let's go to two final verses.
1: And then we have a final point, and we'll, cl- we'll close from there. Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. Remember the reason why Peter was saying, don't talk about this, Jesus, because you,
0: you, you're supposed to be overthrowing stuff now. He said, no, 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 no. I'm still going to have some glory. It's just going to come in a different way. But guess what? With my glory, is going to come reward and I'm gonna reward people based on what they have done
1: all right let's continue to read this is the last verse truly I tell you some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the son of man coming in his kingdom this is quite interesting because all of those disciples died
0: but he wasn't saying that he was saying when you die to flesh You won't taste real death because real death won't make you die. You'll just transition. See, see, when my father died, of course, on the death certificate, it said COVID. But COVID didn't take him. God called him home. Because when you live for God, you never really die. You just cross from one life to the next. But if you somehow in this age of grace... Miss the opportunity to die to self, and you die? I'm not one of those preachers that put folk in hell, so I won't tell you where you're going, but I wouldn't take the chance if I was you. While you got a chance, I would die now so that I can live later. Here's the final point, point E. The glimpses of our rewards slash benefits. I put that in there because we talked about benefits last week. The glimpses of our rewards slash benefits It's what helps us find beauty in our crosses, knowing we die only to rise. So, final thing, and you guys can stand to your feet. Would you put that final slide up and make it transparent? It's not dying or rising. It's dying and rising. We're dying and we're rising simultaneously. And guess what? We're rising higher and higher. And here's the beautiful thing as I close. Much of your dying will be in private. And much of your rising will be in public. So God will make you die privately so you can rise publicly. And some of y'all are going to high places, but it will cost. But no pain, no gain. You're dying and you're rising simultaneously. Let's go ahead and let's... Bow our heads and pray. Dear gracious Heavenly Father God, as you give me this message in the sermon, and as some people may look at it straight on and think we're we're dying. But when they look at another angle, they may ask the question Are we dying or are we rising? And we'll say, We're doing both. We're dying to the old man, rising to the new man. We're dying to depression and rising to peace. We're dying to poverty and rising to success. We're dying to weakness and rising to strength. We are always dying, but God, we are always rising. And let it be said of us, we are people that reflect the risen Savior, but also the crucified King. And we thank you for it. Now, Father God, if there's anybody under the sound of my voice that doesn't know you in the pardon of their sins... God, I pray that they would say these simple words so they can accept you into their life and into the heart. Let them say, Father God, come into my life and save me and help me and teach me and lead me into dying to self so that your power can rest in my soul and raise me to life in Jesus name. Amen. Come on, put your hands together. God bless you. You are dismissed.